not the sentimentality. We should have reasons for our faith. Probably the example of the cobbler who was told by Narayana that the Lord was. What do you say the Lord Narayana was doing? Spreading an elephant through the eye of the needle, and the cobbler just starts dancing. <laughs> Wonderful. And Narayana says, Why do you believe in me? What was his answer? Yes, yes, you can put a big plant inside of a little seed. A little plant seed, if you big banyan trees. You have, I don't think you have them. Do you have them in Melbourne? You have them in Brisbane, at least. Big banyan trees. And they come from this little seed. So if you can put a big tree in a little seed, why can't you put an elephant through the eye of a needle? So Prabhupada says so that the devotee's faith is not blind. It's based on careful consideration. It's based on logic and reason. Maybe we should not do anything blindly. Of course, Krishna's consciousness is so nice that even if you take Prasad and chant Hare Krishna blindly, you still get some benefit. But Krishna's recommending you to do the sacrifice and knowledge. To do, uh, do our activities with careful consideration. Alright, now the other really important thing to consider here as we go through this story is that Lakshmana also is the same as Sri Vajra. Sri Vajra also. She's saying this Chitana, that she's keeping Mukunda in her consciousness. Her consciousness is fixed on Mukunda. How, how did it become fixed on Mukunda? How did she do that? People always have a problem, they always make a question. That was, that was Sri Vajra and Sri Lashmana. From hearing from Narayana. From hearing about what did she hear from Narayana? Krishna's appearance and activities. So of course that hearing has to be of a certain quality. But she was hearing from Narada, and that way she, her mind became fixed. Okay, now we're going to go through this story. This is a very exciting story. Krishna is a, a great fighter, and he's also a very romantic hero. Just like people out in the world, they're uh, spending so much time and energy and money to hear about some great hero or some great romance. Doesn't everybody do that? Pretty much. Whether it's, uh, Actual people or fictional characters. They're buying so many books and going to so many movies that the great hero comes and defeats all the opposition, defeats all the bad guys, and romantically grabs the really qualified girl. Isn't that what? Is that correct? Okay. So Krishna is the supreme hero. And we're going to be now. So do you think just like Sri Lakshmana, how did she become attached to Krishna again? Hearing about Krishna? Hearing and activities. So we're now about to hear about one of Krishna's activities in some death. So by doing that, we can also become attached to Krishna. Like Sri Lakshmana. Sri Lakshmana said, Oh Queen, I repeatedly heard Narayana glorify the appearances and activities of Chitta. And thus my heart also became attached to that Lord Mukunda. Indeed, even God is Padmapasa, chosen as her husband, after careful consideration, rejecting the great demigods to rule various lands. My father, Rikasena, was my native compassionate to his daughter, and knowing how I felt, oh thankful lady, he arranged to fulfill my desires. Just as a fish was used as a target in your time for our ceremony opening to assure that you would obtain our unit as a husband, 
So a dish is also used in my ceremony. In my case, however, it was concealed at all times, and only its reflection could be seen in a pot of water below. Are you the same as the most expert bowmen? Bowmen. Why then could he not pick the fish target that she might be watching this slimy part of ceremony? Just as he had done it once before, to his property. She was here, I saw me explain. The target at Robody's flying bar had been covered only partially, so that a marksman could see it if he looked straight up the pillar on which it was placed. To shoot Bachman's target, however, it was necessary to aim by looking up and down at the same time. An impossible feat for any mortal. Therefore, only Lord Krishna could strike. Here is the list. Thousands of kings, expert in shooting arrows and wielding other weapons, converged in all directions from my father's city, accompanied by my military teachers. So was the feat impossible for them? Because what did you have to do? Look up and down at the same time. So although it was impossible, still thousands of them came. Just see the stereotypic mentality. I tell you, only God can do, and thousands of kings would line up to do it. Take 21. And then we'll find out why. And this, this verse, and the first verse we read, is going to be the key to understanding how we can see God. My father probably honored each king according to his strength and seniority. Then, those whose minds were fixed on me, Who's this one here? Who's talking? Lachmana. The sensitive Madhya. Whose minds were fixed on me. Those whose minds were fixed on me took up the bow and arrow and one by one tried to pierce the target in the midst of the assembly. Purple, according to the Acharyas, only those kings who were extremely intent on winning the hand of the princess even dared try to shoot. So, where's Vashmana's consciousness? And Krishna. Where are the consciousness of some of these kings? Some of them picked up the bow, but could not string it. So they threw it back in frustration. Some managed to pull the bowstring toward the tip of the bow. Only to have the bowstring back and not put the ground. <laughs> there goes my car. That represents the king. <laughs> A few years. Succeeded in stringing the bow. But none of them could find the target. These kings were very strong physically, but they were not skillful enough to find the target. Then, Arjuna looked at the reflection of the fish in the water and determined its position. 
When he carefully shot his arrow at it, however, he did not pierce the target, but merely raised it. Furthermore, <laughs> according to the explanation of Shiva Swami, Arjuna was more expert in marksman than the other kings, but his physical strength was not adequate to the task of shooting it with perfect accuracy. So you have some kings who were strong, but not skilled enough, and Arjuna is skilled, but not strong enough. Are there also being known to fight between Duryodhana and Bhima at the end of the battle of Kurukshetra? Fallen on him, and he says that Bhima is stronger and Duryodhana is more skillful. So they're equally matched. 25, 26. After all the arrogant kings, After all the arrogant kings had given up their pride broken, the supreme personality of Godhead picked up the ball, easily strung it. And we hear that also yesterday, he effortlessly controlled the seven roles just like, do you remember? Just like what? As if they were what? No, that's a good guess. That's a good way to go. Probably. It says they're just like the baby goats, just like little kids. The severe is not a guy who picked up the bow, equally strong. Yeah, sometimes when Krishna does things, those fighting things, does it look like he's working hard? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, there's some battle where, you know, goes on for a while and he even drops his weapon and the other, he even gets away for a while and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's this protracted thing where Krishna's really getting into it. I mean, he fought with a uh, younger man for how many days? 27. 28. 27, 28. And sometimes when Krishna does these great heroic pieces, he just does them immediately without any external show of effort. So he does this effortlessly and then fixed his arrow upon it. As the sun stood in the constellation and named Abhijit, he looked at the fish in the water only once. So he strings effortlessly the sun in Abhijit, which is a new landing in the water, and then appears with the arrow, knocking it to each day the sun passes through the lunar constellation of Egypt, marking the period most auspicious for a victory, as pointed out by Sri Arvishan and Chakravarti. On this particular day, the Murta of Abhijit coincides with high noon, further emphasizing Lord Krishna's greatness by making target all the more difficult. So all these kings have had their pride broken, some were knocked back by the bow, they're sitting there, Krishna takes the bow. He strings it effortlessly. Glances at the target, ready to go. The sun's at high noon in the constellation of victory. You can't even see anything because it's glaring. You ever had the sun glaring in your eye? Can't see anything? And just, and it falls. And what do you think everybody says? Wow. Jai! You say, Jai, Jai. Jai is of the. Giant of the Yukaguri. Divi. Divi Dundubayanur. Giant of the Yukaguri. So the Divi, the days of the sky, 
bumi, on the earth, in the sky, in the earth, there were drums and shouts of joy, joy. Kettle drums resounded in the sky, and on the earth, people shouted joy, joy, overjoyed. Oh, Everybody got showered flowers, they're all so happy, and they're showering flowers and saying joy. Now, this is. You have to remember that the prototype for all men and women is this spiritually. So, now Lashana is going to act like a very, like the, the ultimate female. And the Scottish is probably a very young girl, probably around 13, 14 years old, maybe 15, And she's had her heart absorbed in Krishna. And now, just imagine the anxiety, the tension that she's been feeling. Suppose somebody else wins her hand, right? And she's seen all these kings come up, and a lot of the kings string the bow, and they get almost there, and they fall back. Or, you know, Arjuna almost made it. Now, Just then, I walked onto the ceremonial ground. The ankle bells on my feet gently tickled. I was wearing new garments and tied a silk, tied a belt, and carried a brilliant necklace of fashion. There's a shiny smile on my face and a wreath of flowers in my hair. Purple. She was sure I saw the face that she lost her. So excited by remembering how she came to the Supreme Lord until she forgot her natural shyness and went on to describe her own trauma. <laughs> 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 I lifted my face, which was encircled by abundant locks and effulgence, and the glow of my earrings reflected in my cheeks. Smiling, coolly, glanced about, and looking around at all the kings, let me tell you, that's with the intent. Slowly placed the necklace on the shoulder of Marari, who had captured my heart. So here we have Anuraksa Rudayana, who captured my heart. Just then, so just at that moment, right, from the beautiful young Lakshman. She's walking, her ankle bones are tinkling, she's smiling, she's flowers, her hair. She has this beautiful necklace made of gold and jewels. And as she puts it on, right? Yep, then, there were loud sounds of poncho. Led the king to crawl foolishly with the Lord, even after seeing 
is the supreme power. By the way, the name of Yoga here is Yajnasini. Anybody know why Yoga is called Yajnasini? Born for the sacrificial fire. This was a very unusual Ramadan Samstar ceremony. I mean, it was started out, it was pretty typical. We are from Jupa, and I wanted to have one of son who would kill Jonathan. And so he engaged a, a priest, that's the whole story, who would be the priest. The first priest he asked said, You know, I'm not doing that, that's nasty, to try to get a son who's going to kill the Roman Jordan. And, um, then finally he said, you asked my brother. He said, my brother doesn't have much discrimination as to what's good and bad. <laughs> so he asked the brother, the brother was doing this yoga, and it has to, from the yoga, there comes some special food that when the queen eats and later on she can conceive children by her husband. So, you know, in the modern day they give people chemicals and drugs and like that, and they'll say it's like a mango or it was a sweet rice or something. So the priest is doing the yoga, and the queen had to go bathe. So she left the yoga, and she had to go take her bath. So she's taking her bath, and the priest says, now is the time, the wife has to take the payasa. And she both said, my wife's not here yet, please wait, please wait. And he says, I can't wait. It has to happen now in the, in the sacrifice. No, please wait. My wife is just coming. I can't wait. And he takes the up and throws the fire. Out comes just a junior. The warrior who was the dead of drama China. And then, to everyone's surprise, out comes the lady. And a voice from the sky said, This woman is born to kill many a mm-hmm. So that's what the other thing is. Alright, well here we have Lakshmana. And her part is always absorbed in Krishna because of Shutva. She Shutva. What is she? Shutva? Narvasam. Narvasam. She has heard Narvasam describing the Shutva's agenda and karma. And then we have the king who, instead of being absorbed in Krishna, Mandiya, they're absorbed in Lakshmana. They're absorbed in Lakshmana. Now this is like Ravana, right? Ravana wanted to take Sita away for his own enjoyment. Now there are great devotees who are very absorbed in Srimati Radharani as a major. But they're not trying to take Radharani away from Krishna, they're trying to bring Radharani to Krishna. Right? So Sita Devi has her major, they're trying to unite her with her. You absorb also what he said that he wants to bring Sita to Ram. Whereas these things they wanted to take Lakshmana away from Krishna. And therefore, Krishna is in front of them, and Lakshmana is garlanding him, and Lakshmana is so excited that he's even describing how beautiful she is. <laughs> right? She's just. I she's a young girl, but she's very overwhelmed with excitement. And the king, although they're seeing Krishna, and they're seeing how wonderful Krishna is, their mood is to fight with him. Their mood is to fight with him. So, uh, the question comes very often. We were saying in the beginning 
that one should worship Krishna with faith, that Lakshmi wasn't or attached to Krishna wasn't sentimental, was based on due consideration. But people ask, well, I just got this question recently from one a person who's left the movement but still kind of can't stop from hanging around. That I did service for 10 years and I didn't see God. You know, I did this. My job was just sounds and deities were just statues and I didn't see God. I wanted to see God. And just the other day also, somebody said to me, you know, if Krishna just gave me the case, then I could give up all my sense gratification. Why doesn't he do that? Why do I have to struggle? Why doesn't Krishna just come before me and show me himself? And if I saw how beautiful he was, if I could realize Krishna is in his name, then of course I'd give up all of my material attention. Now, this is very interesting. Is Krishna before the in front of his hands? Is he standing right there? Did he just do something pretty amazing? Did he do something that no ordinary human being could do? What did he do? He shot the fish. The sun was shining, looking up and down. He had to look up and down at the same time while the sun was shining on it. Now, Someone might say, well, anybody could do that. How do we know that not anybody could do that? Because nobody could do it. And these were the top people on the planet. I mean, these weren't just like a bunch of, you know, modern-day Mr. Universe. <laughs> you know, or some, some stuntman on the movie who just has a special effect. These were the real guys. I mean, these guys were as strong as 10,000 elephants. They really were strong as 10,000 elephants. There was one man about 100 years ago from the Guinness Book of World Records that was stronger than four drafts of, I don't know what you call them, five sails, I think. Is that what you call them? They have like those hairy feet. See those huge horses? And he had his hands folded like this. Two horses strapped to this arm, two horses strapped to this arm, and we were beating them, and he didn't budge a centimeter. So he's stronger than Ford Raptors. He could also push a train engine uphill and all kinds of things. But these guys were stronger than not just four or five horses. They were stronger than 10,000 elephants. And we have Arjuna, right, who had all these divine weapons. He single-handedly practically could hold off a whole crew of armies. Right, so these people couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Both of them weren't even strong enough to string the bow. A few of them could string the bow, but then they couldn't find the target. And even Arjuna wasn't able to make the target fall. So Krishna's just proved he's taken all the most competent people in the world, and he's proved that he can do something that no one else can. He's shown his glory as God. So they all surrendered, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they all felt excellent, right? And they gave up all their material taxes. Is that true? Sometimes people ask, you know, how could I have left the spiritual world if Krishna writes for me? If Krishna's right for me. And here he's, he's marrying Lakshmi. What a joyous occasion. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't you like to have that wedding take place here in the temple? Can you imagine For the Sunday feast? Festival for the Sunday feast. 
the marriage of your Venetian Russian. Hey, we have the bow, we have the target set up. Christian walks off the altar. Walks <laughs> down to the moon. Moon and here's Russian arrayed. He's on the altar. Hanging over there. He shoots the fish. Then we would all get to say, Jai, 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 Flower. Actually, someone who's very attached to Krishna will see these pastimes taking place within their heart. Now, whatever pastime that they want to see. But we see here that seeing Krishna, these kings who wanted to maintain their attachment to enjoying Lakshmana, their love prevented them from seeing Krishna. It acted like as a filter. So that they really they couldn't perceive Krishna directly. They saw Krishna as their enemy. Their mood was we want to exploit Rajan, of course, is Krishna's shakti. They wanted to exploit Krishna's shakti for their own self. <laughs> Therefore they could not surrender to or love or feel affection for or feel happiness at the victory of the Shakti mind. Therefore, one has to pass through the stage of an argument One has to be free, not to fight for organization, each and other with the same way, but it's your soul, keep up with the relationship. One must have most of these in arches, like love, free, envy, removed from the heart before one can see Krishna. So, of course, Krishna reveals himself a little bit, even to the beginners who are covered with an arches. He is responsible, right? He is one for cutting your head. We have a little desire to see him with love. He responds to us a little bit. Of course, he responds to us actually, not exactly proportionately, but he responds to us probably ten times more than we're responding to him. And just the beginner who just comes and, oh, I want to try this chanting Hare Krishna, what's it about? They're experiencing something in the Girkan that cannot be explained just by the nice musical arrangements. They're experiencing something of Krishna. Or someone taking a little prasadam, they're experiencing a taste of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, which cannot be explained by the material ingredients. So Krishna is exhibiting himself in a very small degree to beginners, responding to their surrender. But for Krishna to fully reveal himself, one has to have no inertia. Now, this is reasonable, isn't it? If somebody wants to take your money, are you going to be your good friend? Of course not. If somebody comes in your house and you see that while they're in your house, they're looking at all your possessions. <laughs> and they're drawing a little something. What is that you're drawing? Oh, it's a map of your house so I can come in at night and steal your things. <clears throat> Are you going to throw that in your house, aren't you? You're not going to say, oh, you're my intimate friend. I'm going to really open my heart to you. And... Right? Who's going to do that? <laughs> do that. So this is Lakshmi Devi. This is Krishna's great opulence, tree. And the demons want to take her for their own enjoyment. And she's a person. Also, we would have let someone who wants to come to your house and kidnap your sister or your daughter or your wife. Now, you want to protect your dependents. So Krishna's not going to reveal himself to somebody who has this demoniac mentality. Of course, sometimes the devotees of the Lord, Prophet says, are more merciful than the Lord. There's the story of our godfather Haridash in uh, Mumbai. Does any of you know Haridash? Anybody know Haridash? There's the films in Mumbai? <laughs> so I'm going to tell the whole story probably. 
So he was a street boy, orphan, never knew who his parents were. One of those ragamuffins you see on the streets in India begging, and you know that when they get an opportunity, they will also steal. They're living on the street. They have no education, they have no home, they have no training. So there was one such little boy, and he grew up stealing. And he'd get put in prison over and over again, and as soon as he would get out again, he'd steal. And so one time in prison, he found the back of God in magazine. And on the back of a picture of Prabhupada. And he said, Look at the picture, you know that the Prabhupada is wearing a very expressive watch. <laughs> and he thinks, When I get out, I'm going to find this man and steal his watch. <laughs> so when he got out of prison, he went to the temple, which was just beginning. At that time, the devotees were living just in a a shack with rats, and it was a really difficult situation. Just, you know, they were undergoing the illegal battle. But he said for him, the only time it was like he had a roof over his head. So for him, he considered it very, very opulent living, and he got a couple of meals a day. Probably wasn't there to come. Of course, he didn't tell them why he was there. He just said, I come, and he thought, they're giving me a place to live, and they're giving me food to eat, so he would do some service, naturally. And, um, uh, after a couple of days in the shop, I gave him some beans and taught him how to chant. And he started chanting. Oh, so I got to do this for him here and get some food and wait to get my watch. No problem, you know. So he's there doing his service and he's chanting. And they used to send him out on the boat run. And when he'd go out on the boat run, he'd also steal some of the fruit. <laughs> he said it took him two years to give up his stealing habit completely. He was so habituated. So after staying with him, we were doing some service for a long time. That Robert came to a temple nearby. And so I went to go ask the town president, I want to go see Prova, I want to go see Prova. He said, All right, you have to promise you're going to come back. Okay. So he gave him the train fare and went to see Prova. Offered obeisances, thank you, Prova. And Prova said, Why did you come here? And he said, Well, Prova actually, by that time, he'd become a little purified. He said, Prova actually, I gave you your watch. And so I took off his watch, and he handed it to him. And he took it to take it. So the devotees of the Lord, the devotees of the Lord, the devotees of the Lord are more merciful than the Lord. The prophet also said in Detroit, he got a building that was covered in 24 karat gold. Incredible. Building. And also some of the local street kids would come in and they knew they were looking for things to steal. So that's why right, they steal things as long as they're coming to chance they were shown. So the, the devotees of the Lord are more merciful than the Lord. But the, the Lord, he's not going to let somebody uh, exploit his devotees. He's not going to let somebody exploit his enemies. He's not going to let somebody exploit him. So to them he remains Avakinanti Mamuna, Manasin Kanamashitam, Paramabhava, Janaka, Mamabhutta, Manishan, Janaka. They don't know me. They don't know me. So, Vishnu Chakravarti says that a devotee may say, Oh, I'm not committing any of the offenses. Just like in most Islam temples, every day they recite the ten offenses. Whenever Prabhupada would initiate devotees, he would almost always, he would talk about the ten offenses on chanting. He would say, Well, I'm not committing any of those offenses. But Vishnu Chakravarti says that the truth is. In one case, like it says in the Bible, 
that if one's heart doesn't melt in ecstasy upon hearing the Lord's holy name, certainly one's heart is open. Someone asked last night, how do we know we're chanting good quality? And Prabhupada was asked that. He said, you just have your beat, you can count whether or not you're chanting the proper number. They said, no, Prabhupada's quality. Well, that that is in 16 rounds isn't enough when you want to chant 16,000 rounds. So, King Krishna is dependent on developing that quality. Just like I was very, very fortunate to meet one devotee, uh, not at all a known person, nobody I'm sure that any of you know, just doing some simple, humble service in a temple somewhere. And uh, this is what he was telling me. Oh, I heard my Gurumara saying that when we are inattentive in our chanting, it is like beating Krishna. Just like taking Krishna and beating him. Just like you try to talk to someone and they're not listening to you. They're texting on their phone and, you know, so many things. Hey, you feel offended, don't you? And this is what he said. So I was meditating on sitting down to chant and I was saying to Krishna, Krishna, I don't want to beat you anymore. I just don't want to be you anymore. I was chanting Krishna. I really want to be kind to you. That's what he said. And Krishna is here. And Krishna is there. That's what he was describing. Uh, it looks like when Krishna comes back in the afternoon, covered with dust and sweating, and the sweat, that's what he told me, was like little pearls. Decorating Krishna. And Krishna was staying there. That's what he said for the rest of Java. He was sitting there next to me, and I was reading the deities. He's also standing there. And I went to my room, and I said, well, what am I doing now? <laughs> <laughs> and he told me, my back was there, plagued, and just couldn't stop chanting. He was chanting, he was chanting, he was chanting. All day, all night, 178 hours. And I was speaking to another devotee recently. It was telling me also, you know, I just decided on the topic, I was just going to chant, and I just kept chanting and chanting and chanting. Yeah, so I got to 128 now, and then I just kept chanting until like 3 in the morning, and I thought, okay, maybe I'll sleep a little. And when I was going to bang, you know, as soon as I just chant raw, I can hardly contain my happiness. I'm just hot. So this is Rupa Goswami saying, how much nectar is in these two syllables of Krishna? Well, also one of the this is a very well known voice, uh, was saying, how I, I do five things when I chant, this is what he said. I was asking the way, so what are those five things? He said, I'll tell you sometime, maybe you are done. So then I followed the way, what is it? So many few things. And finally he said, I am fixing on that my identity is Christian servant, I am putting my whole consciousness into hearing, and then I let the holy name leave the pastime to the Lord in my heart. So it is one who is approaching Christian with that consciousness, where Krishna reveals himself. That Krishna, I want to see this consciousness that Lakshmi is talking about, where she's holding Krishna in her heart. And where the kings who are holding Lakshmi in her heart, they don't see Krishna. They think he's an ordinary person who's in the way of their sense gratification. That's how they're seeing Krishna. And it's very interesting if you look at the 17th chapter by the Gita, where Krishna is describing sacrifice, charity, austerity, and modes of nature. Any of you know this? What is the difference between sacrifice, charity, and austerity in the mode of goodness and passion? And this is demarcation between goodness and passion. 
passion, it's, it's uh, motivated by some attachments yeah. of fruit. It's the motivation. So between goodness and, goodness and passion, the activities are identical. For sacrifice, charity, and theory, which Christian says in the 18th chapter, everyone should do it, even the great goal. The activities are identical. No difference. Now, in ignorance, the activities are different. In ignorance, you're given to an unworthy person, disrespectfully, here's the charity. You know, at the wrong time, you're giving the charity of the shot of time, or when they're in the toilet room. <laughs> You know, you're giving it to an unworthy person, you're doing a terrible sacrifice, like you were just talking about in Brisbane, how Shalom was eating a handful of dust every day to satisfy what should have done. You know, the nature of drug therapy is nasty. But that's ignorance. Ignorance, the ex- not only the internal motive is nasty, but the external behavior is nasty. But between passion and goodness is very much the same. You know, people really passionate, such as they're very righteous people. They're engaged in dharma. But the motive is different. The motive is different. What you speak of the transcendentalist? What is their motive? So if we want to see Krishna, it's not just a matter of doing the external. The kings were also there, weren't they? They were all there. Come see Krishna. They came to and these envious lusty kings were also there. So if you want to see Krishna, we have to change our consciousness. Because, you know what? Krishna is already there. As far as our organization is just Krishna is already there. He's right there. If you find something that he's very far away, is there anything else? He's right there. He's right here, he's in our heart. There he is dancing on the altar. Andhantarasa Padamana, Chantarasa, he's in every atom. He's the air. He's the earth pulling us down. He's the light. He's safe. He's all around us. Why don't we see him? Because he doesn't want to see us. Not exactly because we put on blindness. We put our blinders. What are these blinders? These blinders that were trying to exploit him. These kings were trying to exploit Krishna and his energy. When we look around at the world, do we see Krishna to love and serve? Or do we see Krishna's energy for me to exploit? Everything's Krishna. Right? Krishna is this microphone. Krishna is this table. Krishna is all the elements of my own body. Krishna is the earth, Krishna is the fire, Krishna is the light, Krishna is the floor, it's all Krishna. Praimantina, Tritibhati, Vilokinin, Sansasa, Dharkavadeshi, Vilokinin, Sansasa, 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 The devotees see Krishna everywhere. And therefore the devotees see, this is Krishna, this is Krishna's energy, wants to take that energy of Krishna and have her garden with the Lord and say, Jai. The devotee wants to act like we'll see tomorrow how Lakshman's father is acting as the perfect devotee trying to bring Krishna together with his energy in a great wedding of pomp and love. But the materialistic person wants to take Krishna's energy, see that it's separate from Krishna, and be persuaded. So we are actually trying to exploit Krishna. And even as a religious person, we may be trying to exploit Krishna. 
Romans talks about people using the deity to get donations or for name fame or for a place to sleep or to be part of the spiritual community or whatever. That if that mood is still there to exploit Krishna, why should Krishna be So how do we develop this attachment to Krishna? How do we change our consciousness so that Krishna will want to reveal? He'll take away the curtain if he says the Gita of Yoga Mind, or the devotees say they shall find Shakti and move he told him. How do we do that? What does Hashra tell us? What is the way to do that? How do you Hearing of Krishna's Hearing of Krishna's And the hearing also has to be of a certain quality. The hearing should be with that attention. Like Prabhupada would say, he's talking to him other things like this. He'd say, don't divert your attention. The hearing should be with that attention. I just like if you're driving somewhere and you need to get direction, do you pay attention? If you're lost? Are we lost? So we find Krishna, we see Krishna, we're chanting Krishna's names, we're seeing Krishna's form, we're eating Krishna's garments, we're surrounded by Krishna, Krishna's in our heart. If we don't see him, then we're lost. So if you're lost, and you're running out of petrol, are you running out of petrol? The slide taking away, he took that photo of me and I couldn't bear to see it, it looked like a man running. <laughs> I got the clock ticking. For those of you who are 20, you may not feel like it's but you know the, the, the petrol the petrol gauge is, is going to run out you don't know when you're going to have to get a new car and even if you're fortunate it's like you've had a fortunate birth is that that was all easy? was your birth all easy to become Christian conscious? just because you had a fortune right? so we're lost with the storm like you have this rain we can't see our way. We don't know where to go. And someone gives us direction. Someone who knows. Are we going to pay attention? Or are we going to be distracted? Be very attention. So why not say they give very rapt attention? And of course, Prabhupada says that one gives rapt attention if one's pure in mind. And pure in mind if one's pure in action. And one's pure in action if one's pure in eating, sleeping, fearing, and eating. So we have a pure life and we focus more and more on hearing with rapt attention. And as we hear with rapt attention, what will happen? What happened to Lakshmana because she heard with rapt attention? Surrender. She surrendered. And what happened? She had the word also, She gave her heart to Krishna. And then not only could she see Krishna and appreciate him unlike the other king, uh, but Krishna actually came and showed this great feat of heroism and took her away as his cause. So, today we can meditate on this pastime, of course we're going to finish it tomorrow, and actually this pastime, if Krishna's there in our heart, that means all of Krishna's leaders are also there in our heart. Must be there. Krishna's devotee must be there, Krishna's devotee there, but Krishna, everything's also there. And luckily these pastimes are taking place here, they're taking place in our heart, if we meditate on them, maybe Krishna will also reveal these pastimes to us in our heart. But at least we can go on meditate, meditating on it. Vandana Yane Tavar Bhajajivana. If you don't show up, Tomara Vyana Jivana, if you don't show up, then at least I will spend my life Krishna meditating and offering obeisances to these pastimes. So that as we heard from Sri Bhagavad yesterday, Jandani Jandani, I will worship you. And someday, uh, 
Sunday when I will become purified enough so that I will actually see you. So questions, comments? Additional subtractions? Yes, sir. I feel about a place now where I'm being called on to let go of myself completely to serve God. There's so much fear for me in letting go of everything that I think protects me from the world. What's your experience with that stuff? Do you chant? Absolutely. How long have you been chanting? Um, I'm not for a couple of years. For a couple of years? Do you have any kind of minimum that you chant? Um, I just chant in my heart. Do you chant on beats at all? No. Hmm. That would be a good next step. Uh, but the fact that you're able to say what you just said shows that whatever chanting you're doing must be done very nicely. Because this is one of the most important realizations that one needs to come to. That I need to give myself to Krishna, but I'm afraid to let go of everything I think is protecting me. If you can see that, then you're doing something that's really drawing Krishna's attention. Uh, he's, he's definitely reciprocating with you. Very, very nice. That step uh, in, in, in learning anything, what you want to teach you, right? So anything you want to learn, the first step is being aware that you that you don't know it. Uh, being aware that there's a difference between where you are and where you want to be. The psychologists call that cognitive dissonance. It, it's an uncomfortable feeling, isn't it? And it's meant to be an uncomfortable feeling. It's like hunger. Right? You feel that there's some, there's some difference between where I am and where I you recognize that you're lost. And that feeling of discomfort is meant to push us to take the next step. Now, what some people do when they get that feeling, they just stop their spiritual activities. Hmm. Reminder Superbook said when he first started chanting Hare Krishna, and that all of a sudden he lost his taste in material life, and so he stopped chanting. He said, This is a really powerful thing, I'll never be I don't think I'd better leave it alone. So, all sorts of things, he started out with And so sometimes people, when they see that, the fear for the you know, I won't go on. And we see that even people, once they're, they become members of the Hare Krishna movement, when these things become obvious to them, sometimes they give up their chanting, or they become ritualistic. They just become mechanical. I just think this is what I'm So that's a way of, uh, if you do that, then you don't, you lose awareness of this fact that, wait a minute, I've got to surrender. One, I've got to surrender. And two, but I'm attached. And I'm afraid. So, the next step is make a little step of surrender. Or if you can make a big step, that's not bad. But if all you can do is a little step, that's okay. Little steps are fine. Do a little surrender. What, what Krishna is showing, Krishna is obviously showing you something in your heart of some next step you have to take. Hey, does Krishna do this with all of us? Unless you just really, unless you're chanting it's invisible. <laughs> uh, Krishna is showing us in our heart, and Krishna is not showing you anything in your heart that you need to do, that you really need to work on, on your relationship with him. But he's showing us in our heart what we need to do. So, close your eyes and jump. Try it. You can always go back to being with Jerry. It's not really true. We don't. You can sort of try to go back to being with 
That completely. But that's already done. You've already ruined that. We'll never be ordering to feel it again. That's too late. But you know, you can't externally go back to some of your attention. Sure. There's a I don't know how many of you have children, but there's a little game you play with little children, they're about one, one and a half, two years old, where you sit them up on a high place and you go like this and they jump into your hands. And they love that game. You throw them in the air to catch them. Maybe remember your parents did that kind of thing with you? I don't know if you know this, because we're really, really little. Maybe one or so. And the children love it. You, know, you put them up there to catch them. They go, can, can, can. You know, you put them up there to catch them. And there's this much time where they're flying in the air. That's the whole point of it. If they just went up there and you held them up there, that's a fun. They jump. This much this is a reading story of this one little puppy dog that got separated from his master. And it ended up up on a bridge. They were in a park. And the puppy dog was up on a bridge and it saw his master at the bottom of the bridge. And it got so excited it jumped from the bridge into the water. How? Where's my master? Let me jump. So my suggestion is that when Christian gives you indications of what is your next step in surrender, Look at your fears very, very carefully. Look them straight in the eye and say, if that happens, if that, if those things are afraid, really look at your fears. What are they? Don't let them remain in my shadow and You know, what is my fear? That I'll never get married and I'll be old. No one can take care Or I won't make any money. You want to improve. Or, you want the world will like me anymore. I want to Look at it. Look at it carefully. And say, let's say that happens. Let's say that thing that I'm afraid of happens. But I saw Krishna personally 24 hours ago. <coughs> I was filled with ecstatic love for him. I was absorbed in my service as a soul. I was seeing the spiritual world in my heart 24 hours a day. I was, I was able to see myself doing my eternal service for Krishna. I had no more interest or attachment or practice even awareness of this world. So if I had that, along with the things that I'm afraid of, would that be okay? And if your answer is yes, then close your eyes. And what will happen is, first of all, Krishna will catch you. But you've got to close your eyes and jump. He's not going to catch you first. You close your eyes and jump. He will catch you. And you'll see, first of all, most likely, all those things are available not happen. Most likely. Think you've got to be prepared for them to happen. Otherwise, it doesn't work. You can't play games with Krishna. You can't say, you know, well, I'll surrender only if you do this and this and this. He says, hey, what kind of surrender is that? No deal. Yeah, so, hey, we're going to give up everything anyway, just by the way. So, you know, when, when, you, when, you, when you prepare for that, most likely those things won't happen. Most likely they won't happen. And Krishna will catch you. And you'll gain in freedom, you'll feel free. With each anarchy that we let go of, you'll, you feel free. You feel like, as the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says in the Shikasana, it's like a bath. For the self. Have we felt it? Have 
we let go of an artist before? And how did we feel? Wasn't it a good feeling? It was a good feeling, wasn't it? You know, those of us who came from the outside world, if those of us who took the competence and we decided to give them up, or if those of us who were having a success and decided to give that up. Didn't that feel good? Like, whoa! Freedom! And you think, why did I wait so long to do this? So one will feel free, one will feel happy, one will feel Christian's protection, and one will see that all the terrible things don't happen anyway, and that even if they do, it doesn't matter anymore. It's uh, so important. So this happens and that happens. It doesn't matter anymore. And that way you get to faith. And then when Christian shows you the next thing, it's fun. Look at it. Look at it right in the face. Oh, I have a problem with whatever. With love. With attachment. With pride. With this. Oh, yeah. Why am I holding on to it? Because I have these fears. Look at them. Down in DC and above, which I appreciate you look. Look at them. Oh. Okay. Suppose those fears happen. But I had Krishna. Would that be okay? And if your answer is no, then you're stuck. <laughs> you know? And you stay in our community for a long time. And it's hard struggling with determination. And then you say, how come I not a suit all the time? You know? And there's nothing you can do. And then you're trying to help other people. And they'll tell you, I have this thing, and I'm afraid. And you try to help them, and you see they get a little glimmer of light from in. Right? A little glimmer. Well, that okay. No, no. Okay, fine. Suffer for a while. Look at the fears. Say it's okay. If it's okay, then say, hey, Christian. Take it. Take the attachment. Go ahead. Take it. You've got to do it honestly. You can't do it dishonestly. If you do it dishonestly, you'll be very sorry. You'll be very sorry. You're very sorry. Christian, take it. You take it. You go, whoa. That feels <laughs> oh, thank you, Christian. Okay. And then you'll be able to go on and on. And as you do that more and more and more, your faith will deepen and deepen and deepen and deepen. And you'll start out from being, whoa, I'm going to surrender like that. Oh, okay, Christian, what's the next surrender? What an art are we getting rid of today, Lord? <laughs> Let's go. Why do you start to see your destination? Okay? Is that all right? Okay? So take these little steps. Take little steps. Honestly, honestly, don't do this honestly. Do it this honestly. It's protective. If you're like, okay, I'm going to hold on to all my fears and I have all my conditions. Okay, I should take my targets. Woo! Don't do that. That will just be painful. Yes? Something like people started coming along and just like, and um, it's outrageous that I just kind of point in the line, so it's like, could I be a party? Like, there's probably like something, one of the lines that you need to come up in, or better than that. And sometimes you see that I should be in the other side, to be the first party, and I think that back again. Mm-hmm. How would you approach it? Would you kind of confront them with every success, or would you do this? You can do that, well, maybe it's one. <laughs> 
<laughs> the people who don't do that at all reach the state of Nishtha Verita. Ramakutti Pratanatman Sarsthin Kansati Samasarveshita Sikshu Matasthin Matasthin If we're not that platform, then we're doing the same thing. Now, at what point the person does? Sometimes the person gets stuck at one another for a long time. We all know people like that. You know, they've got this one big anartha that everybody else can see. It's like a big road on your part, and everybody else can see it there. It's like, well, this Mishpuru really has a problem with pride, or this Mishpuru really has a problem with love, you know, right? And everybody can see it, but they don't want to see it. And if you can hint at it, they practice it too. <laughs> if they say, well, what do I need to do to advance? Um, you might look. You know, have you ever looked in the mirror? Do you see the most funny thing that you find? Yeah, I mean, it's not very noticeable, but <laughs> you might consider going for surgery. They give you an anesthesia, okay? Why are you looking at it? Most of us have our, our, our guard jaws and our electric senses around our really, really bad markers. These are the ones that we've been grooming and feeding and worshiping for a long, long, long time. So now, at what point that person, you know, whoa, I don't know. I don't know if I want to chant on these. You know, I don't know if I want to make that commitment. Or one person is like, well, will I have to give up my friends? And I'm thinking, boy, I dealt with that a long time ago. I mean, for me, the question of, do I want to give up a journalistic friend? Big deal. But to the person at that point, it's a catastrophe. Their whole life can fail. They don't want to make friends anymore. Nobody will love them. They're not over all these fears. Now, I thought that was awesome, you know. And as you, as you go on, the, the, the demons get more and more subtle, and they look more and more and more like Bhakti, as Rupa Goswami says. The weeds look more and more like Bhakti. And then it becomes like, but that's, that's my service. It's how does the tell me that? Everybody was got involved in some very simple activities. I had to ask Krishna, what's the problem? And the devotee came back and said, my problem is I'm attached to this and this and this. And I said, I thought that was the problem. The devotee said, but that's my service. I said, I'm sure. What's your motive? What's your motive? After the devotee realized the signs the devotee could change their external service and they were resisting. I said, what's your motive? So, you know, one way you can help other people is to deal with your own stuff. But you can ask if says no person can act as a reformer of another person. And no one should even try to act as a reformer of another person because no one is without the highest guidance. Rather, a person should try to be the reformer of themselves with a heart only. Oh, I like the devotees at Brisbane, they have that thing from Gandhi, be the change. Basically, Dr. Kansas are sort of saying the same thing. Be the change you want to see in the world. You exemplify that change. Or as Jesus said, how can we take out the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye and give it to First, take the log out of your own eye, then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, are we dealing with our own stuff? 
you know, okay, that person's afraid to give up their materialistic friends, or that person's afraid to chain on these, or that person's afraid to be a vegetarian, or that person's afraid to, you know, whatever, put on neckies. And those of us who did past that stage a long time ago, you see how silly that is. But what are we, where are all the things? And how am I dealing with that? And if we're not dealing like that, then we'll go to these other people and go, oh, you should just surrender and cool. <laughs> kind of like the board games. <laughs> and that's not very effective. <laughs> so, deal with our own feelings. Be enthusiastic to deal with our nurses. Take it as an adventure. Give up our fear. This is fun. Hey, you shot the target, you know? You can do it. They'll take care of us. We're going to see how they'll take care of us. We ourselves need to develop that faith. And then really we help others by praying Christian within the heart, being their well-wishers. Okay, so they see how person responds. If they respond, they can go. If they don't respond, that's one of the offenses of the name. How does it preach above a person's receptivity? And pride. Let's see, how does that If they're receptive, you can go. If they're not, Actually, you're doing really well. I think what you're doing is really nice. And you just go on and do that. It's very nice to meet you and meet that. Okay? Yeah? What is it about Christian Master? I think you're on the Christian Master. I've already given them an instruction. And we try to push forward with that. If your spiritual master gives you an instruction? No, no, no. Okay. You can go as far as the person is receptive. Otherwise, you risk A, offending the name, B, violating the authorities of speech according to the most goodness. Your speech has to benefit people. If it's not benefiting them, it's harming them. It may be truthful, but if it's harming them, it's not what's not in the word of your austerity, it's not in the word of goodness. Then what's motivating you is generally pride. That means you've got your own law. How you can help a person with their respect and you have your own law. Now, I mean, I think it's, you know, I've done it, believe me. You know, try to push somebody to do something that they're not ready to use the word push. That's a very interesting word, push. So one has to be very careful. Now, in order for people to be receptive, they have to feel what towards you? Trust. Trust. You can't force a relationship of trust. Mm-hmm. you. And trust, we'll talk about this on Saturday morning as far as raising children, but trust is not done by positional relationships. So the fact that you're a senior doesn't mean that someone's going to trust you. The fact that you're entitled doesn't mean someone's going to trust you. It doesn't work. You can't assume because I'm older, you know, or I'm senior, or I'm entitled, that therefore I can assume receptivity on the other person's part, and I can push and damage them. Now I'm going to be culpable. And that will be a in my own spiritual life. So one of my former students said to me that there's two elements of trust. One is that the other person knows what they're talking about, that they have some expertise, and the other is that they are well-wishers. 
So first you've got to make sure you have the expertise, which means you don't just know theoretically, you have to have some realization, which means you've got to be dealing with your own demons. Okay? If you're not dealing with your own demons, you don't have a realization to help anybody deal with theirs. And the other thing is you've got to really care about that person. You can't be helping them any better than you can. Oh, you know, the people I help. You know, we used to have the score sheet for the Vata program. You know, how many she gives, how many stories. <laughs> so it shouldn't be like that. Like, that's like the Muslims, you know, they want to go around, how many heads did I chop off? <laughs> so we don't, we don't want to bring, try to get people that way. That's not, it's not taking them off the roof. So we should genuinely, I mean, if we genuinely care about someone, then we're going to take them just as far as they're willing to go and they're willing to go. Now, of course, we always have some subterfuge, we always have persona. Okay, we do have some secret weapons, we have persona, you know, the garlands of the deities and so many things. But really caring about someone else means not only looking for their ultimate welfare, but trying to act in such a way that they'll achieve it and that they'll stay for the long haul. If you push somebody too far too fast, they'll probably just fall out of the sky like a meteor. Mm. And how many times have we done this to people? Okay? On the other hand, if someone is capable of going for it, then yeah, don't hold back. So don't hold back people who want to go for it and don't push people too hard who aren't ready for it. You know, it's like, it's, that's like picking a fruit before it's ripe. <laughs> Somebody gave me some of those kind of fruits yesterday. Here's an unripe avocado and an unripe nectarine. The nut is no taste. Don't want to, you don't want to force like that. Okay, I hope this was helpful. Do you ignore anything I said it wasn't? And thank you very much. All glory to you, Shinko. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.